Welcome to Black in Time, the podcast remembering pioneering people and defining moments from Black British history. I'm your host Liv and I'm a bit of a nerd. I started this podcast as a challenge to myself to find something that happened each day in Black British history. From births and deaths to events of national and international importance, each episode I'll look at the week to come and explore events that happened each day in history. Here's the events from January 4th to January 10th. On January 4th, 2011, Ken Martindale, former Shepherds Bush counsellor and founder of Black British Heritage, died aged 62. Born in St Lucia, Ken came over to Britain at the age of nine. In the late 1980s, he was a Labour member of Hammersmith and Fulham Council. During this time, he was the founding chair of the council's Ethnic Minorities Committee. As well as undertaking work as a counsellor, Ken was a school governor and professional photographer. In the 1990s, he established Black British Heritage, BBH, a charity focused on raising awareness of the contributions made to British history and society by people of African and Caribbean origin. Among the initiatives launched by BBH was a Black History Trail in Hammersmith and a campaign for a permanent record of the contributions made by African and Caribbean people during the two world wars. Another notable campaign led to the creation of the Guilt of Cain, a permanent sculpture commemorating the abolition of the transatlantic slave trade. It was commissioned by the City of London in collaboration with Black British Heritage. A lifelong activist in the weeks before his death, despite rapidly declining health, Ken was still visiting schools with his portable history displays. Although rarely mentioned these days, it's important that we remember Ken's commitment to increase awareness of the contributions of black people to Britain and British society. On January 5th, 1989, the much-loved TV sitcom Desmond was broadcast for the first time. Set in a West Indian barbershop in Peckham, the show centred around the Ambrose family, who were originally from Guyana. The show's titular character and owner of the barbershop, Desmond, was married to Shirley, and together they had three children, Michael, Gloria and Sean. Although Desmond's wasn't the first black TV show, it was the first predominantly set in the workplace, in this case, a barbershop. The show also offered an insight into the cultural significance of the barbershop within the black community. In addition to this, the show exposed the similarities and differences between African and Caribbean cultures. Desmond's was hugely popular among audiences both in the UK and abroad, 
During the opening ceremony of the 2012 Olympics, a clip of the show was featured in the Best of British TV compilation. And in 2020, the complete series of Desmonds was added to Netflix. Spanning six seasons and 71 episodes, the show is Channel 4's longest-running sitcom in terms of episodes. It ran for five years until 1994, when its star, Norman Beaton, died suddenly on a trip home to Guyana. Crystal Rose Show debuted on Carlton TV, now part of ITV London. The show is thought to be the first self-titled TV talk show hosted by a woman in the UK. Born in Lagos, Nigeria, Crystal grew up in London. Prior to becoming a talk show host, she was a model and acted in new theatre productions. In the 1990s, she set out to become a talk show host. Inspired by Oprah, she financed the pilots of her own show using her bank overdraft and selling personal belongings. The pilots were a success and the show was commissioned by Carlton, running for four years until 1997. Crystal interviewed guests such as Davy Jones of The Monkees and covered a wide range of topics, including different approaches to parenting. Along with The Crystal Rose Show, Carlton TV also commissioned Crystal Star Guide, a show exploring the fashion industry. Following a successful career on screen, Crystal made a foray into business, setting up her own clothes store and running events in London and Atlanta. We follow eight ambitious black British students as they go through Cambridge University and beyond. It's a constant battle to like be noticed out of all those people as well. On January 7th, 2004, a new four-part series following eight undergraduates at the University of Cambridge aired on BBC Two. The series was titled Black Ambition and followed the students over the course of two academic years. Students from the class of 2002 and 2003 were followed throughout their final year of study and into the world of work. They came from a diverse range of backgrounds and studied an array of subjects. Among the students featured was Annette, a 26-year-old computer science student who juggled studying with raising her four-year-old daughter. Another student, Lucy, was the first from her school to study at Cambridge and was aiming for a first-class mark. Like at Oxford, black students at Cambridge have long been underrepresented. At the time of Black Ambition's release, roughly 80 undergraduates were black. 80 out of almost 12,000, less than 1% of the student body.
During World War II, my great-granddad, George Arthur Roberts, was one of the everyday people who volunteered in the fire service and became heroes by night. On January 8th, 1970, soldier, fireman and community leader George Arthur Roberts died aged 79. George was born in Trinidad in 1891 and was called up to serve in the First World War in 1914. He was the first black man to join the Middlesex Regiment of the British Army. During this time, he fought and was wounded in the Battle of Loo and Battle of Somme. He also gained a reputation for being able to throw German bombs over enemy lines. This earned him the title of the Coconut Bomber. After the war ended, George became an electrician and was a founding member of the British Legion. An ardent community activist, he was also a founding member of the League of Coloured Peoples, set up by Dr Harold Moody in 1931. In 1938, he joined the Auxiliary Fire Service and was stationed at New Cross Fire Station. In doing so, he became one of Britain's first black firefighters. He served in New Cross throughout the war and in 1943 he was promoted to section leader. The AFS played a vital role, tackling fires that ravaged London and rescuing trapped civilians, all whilst bombs fell around them. In recent years, George's achievements have been increasingly recognised. In September 2016, a blue plaque was installed outside the home he lived until his death. Two years later, a red plaque was installed by the London Fire Brigade on New Cross Fire Station. Just last year, he was the focus of an advert for Ancestry.com, a snippet of which you heard at the start of this segment. On January 9th, 1988, a single featuring one of the UK's most successful rap duos, peaked at number five in the UK charts. The group Cookie Crew consisted of Debbie Price, aka MC Remedy, and Susie Banfield, aka Susie Q. Cookie Crew was founded in 1983 and was originally part of a 13-piece collective called Warm Milk and the Cookie Crew. In 1985, the pair won the Rap Championship for Best Rap Group, at the WAG Club in Soho. They were later discovered by Radio 1 vet John Peel and invited to record in the studio for the very first time. This led to a recording contract with Rhythm King Records, a newly formed label. Cookie Crew collaborated with the electronic music group Beatmasters on a track called Rock the House. Rock the House was Rhythm King Records' first hit and was released in the summer 1987. It was re-released that winter as a remix and used in an advert for the drink Ribena, eventually peaking at number five in the charts the following January. The following year, the duo released their first album and signed with a new record label. The album reached number 24 in the UK charts, allowing them to work with well-established US rappers on their second album. 
During this time, Cookie Crew supported stars such as Public Enemy and Bobby Brown. After eight years of international success, the duo disbanded, with both members still involved in the music industry today. With Rock the House widely recognised as the first hip house single, Cookie Crew truly are pioneers. We formed the Campaign Against Racial Discrimination in 1964 when Martin Luther King passed through this country. We got the Race Relations Act of 68, which covered employment. On January 10th, 1965, CARD, the Campaign Against Racial Discrimination, was formally launched. Following the war, Britain's non-white population increased rapidly. It was made up of three main groups, Caribbean people, Indian people and Pakistani people. Despite being British nationals, these groups often faced mass discrimination and racism upon arrival. While in London in 1964, Martin Luther King was invited to speak to a group of multi-ethnic anti-racist migrants by Marion Glean a Trinidadian-born activist. Inspired by King's visit, the group of anti-racist migrants decided to form an organisation of organisations to speak on behalf of all coloured people and fight against racial discrimination. Among the organisations represented were the Campaign Against Nuclear Disarmament, the Indian Workers' Association and the West Indian Students' Union. A few weeks later, at a meeting held on January 10th, the name CARD was officially adopted. The group declared opposition to all forms of racial discrimination, and as the 1964 Race Relations Act was limited in scope, they lobbied for more robust legislation. CARD's efforts undoubtedly helped to introduce the updated 1968 Race Relations Act. Despite Card's commitment to fighting racial discrimination, ideological cracks were forming between executive committee members, and by 1967, the group had disbanded. You've been listening to Black in Time, I hope you found today's episode as interesting as I did. For more information about any of the topics covered in today's episode, do check out the show notes. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at Black in Time to track events from the past every day on that day. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about Police Brutality, one of the best books from the 21st century and a smooth operator.